the Bible Study Podcast, episode 123. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Luke with Luke chapter 12. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As we continue on through Luke, we're getting to the halfway point. We come to a section called Warnings and Encouragements. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. So just after Jesus finished laying into the Pharisees and the problems he had with their religion at the end of Luke 11, he's telling his disciples to be on guard against them. And particularly he's saying, the problem I have with them is their hypocrisy. And he's saying, be aware that everything you do will be made known. Now, we've just had an incident at work recently where we had to remind somebody that you don't put things in email you don't want to see on the front of the local newspaper because things get out. And certainly a lot of people in our day and age have learned that the hard way, that they thought something was private and it became public. Certainly a lot of the scandals that we see with religious leaders, with political leaders, they certainly assumed that something that happened in the dark wasn't going to be exposed to daylight. And the truth gets out, Jesus says. Eventually all truth will be made known. And so he says, guard yourselves against the hypocrisy because it's going to come out. And Jesus continues, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid for those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after killing of the body has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. And so he's encouraging the disciples to not be afraid of those who would oppose them for their faith, but to have a fear and reverence for God. But he's telling them, remember here, that God cares about them, that God knows them. Even the hairs on our head are numbered. Now I know at least one bald friend who said he liked God and made his job easy. But the idea here is that God knows us well, and he knows us because of his care and concern for us and that we should care more about what he thinks than what other people think. Even those who may be in power and position where they can harm us for our faith. And he goes on, I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But he who disowns me before men will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. This is one of those harder verses in the Bible because we get that question of what is unforgivable sin? 
Are there any sins that are unforgivable? And certainly we know that murder is not unforgivable. King David was a murderer. Paul was a murderer. Moses was a murderer. Robbery isn't unforgivable. And the only place where we talk about unforgivable sin is this one verse that talks about anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit. And we're not quite sure what that means. There are a number of different commentaries and different ideas. I don't know that I've heard one explanation that I thought was definitive or authoritative on this subject. The best explanation I think that I have found is in the theologians who say, if you're worried that you have committed the unforgivable sin, if you could repent, then you haven't. I don't know if you find any comfort in that, but my understanding is more that the unforgivable sin is the final rejection of Christ. But again, it's a difficult verse. It's a singleton verse in the sense that it's not a theme that is complex enough and full enough that it's easy to pull out a meaning. And Jesus continues, When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And again, I think the general theme of this section here is that we should live our lives for an audience of one. We should live our lives to hear the praise from God rather than from anyone else. Jesus continues the parable of a rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up for himself, but is not rich towards God. So the world says, He who dies with the most toys wins. The Bible says he who dies with the most toys still dies, and those toys avail him not, and those toys are of no value. So where are we storing up our value? Where are we storing up our treasure? What could that rich man have done instead? It wasn't a problem that his land was rich and that it produced That was a blessing from God. What did he do with that blessing from God? And Luke continues, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. 
They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's some parallel sections in this passage with the passage that we started with at the beginning of this episode, which is talking about God numbering the hairs on your head. Again, we're hearing that God knows what our needs are. God cares for us at a very detailed daily level. And that if we seek his kingdom first, that he will take care of us. And there's also a parallel section here with that rich man who was building bigger barns, but wasn't building himself a purse that wouldn't wear out. He was storing up treasures here instead of treasures in heaven. It would have been better for him to sell everything he had and give it to the poor. Now, I'll be honest, I haven't done that, so I don't want to be guilty of the hypocrisy that we talked about in the first paragraph. But we are still encouraged to hold the things that we have loosely that we are stewards of what God has given us and to look at what we do with what we are given. Certainly tithing, a tenth of what we are given, is something that at least the Old Testament called for. But I think even with that, that other 90% is not something we should look at as ours. That all that we've been given is a gift from God and what are we going to do with it? If God has provided for us a house, do we provide hospitality? If God has provided for us a job, do we help others get one? If God has provided us a family, do we take in the stranger who doesn't have one? I think we need to look at the 10% sure, but also at the 90% and how we are good stewards of what God has given us and what kind of treasure we're storing up for ourselves. And with that... We're going to end this week's Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to leave them at thebiblestudypodcast.com or drop me an email at hostofthebiblestudypodcast.com or again, you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word Kainos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, 
discuss how the Satanic Temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.